So today I want to talk about something that um, probably very many of you have uh, heard before uh, about the story of David and Goliath. Now, uh, one of the things that is uh, interesting to me about this is every time I read the story of David and Goliath, or let me say every time I study it and read it, I find something new. And um, so as I was kind of going through, we're in this, um, an off period, if you will. We, we had a whole uh, teaching of love and then biblical justice, and we kind of have taken a little bit of a, a break. We had a few weeks, three weeks, actually, before we get into the season of Advent. And then in the beginning of the year, God has really given me a direction about, um, the, I'm calling it the pillars of the church. What, is it, what does it look like for, for the church? What are the things that are most important, foundational to building a church? And um, so we're going to go through that. But uh, in, in the in-between time, I'm wondering, God, what is it that you want to speak about t- today through me? And I, I was unsure about this, but um, this morning, actually, God confirmed to me that uh, what we're doing, what I'm doing today is, is very, um, is, is for somebody here. So I don't know who you are, but God said to me today, Cal, people still need their giants slayed. And I thought, well, that's good because we want to slay some giants. And uh, next week, by the way, Steve and Amanda Pettit will be here speaking. They're the ones who run the Rescue Hill ministry. Uh, I encourage you, they're going to kind of give an update and then uh, speak to us some. But it's, it's going to be awesome. And then the week after that, we start into Advent. So uh, today, as we get into this, don't forget the sermon notes are on the uh, Bible app or the the Universal Bible app or the church's app. Uh, really, we, we put all of our announcements, everything is on the church app. If you want to uh, go there, you can uh, find kind of a central place for the church. But um, you can find the notes for today. I want to talk about the very famous Valley of Elah. Um, hopefully pronouncing that right, of Elah. It's a valley that boasts one of the most recognizable stories in all of Scripture. The account of David and Goliath. And I don't know about you, but... I love, and maybe it's because I'm a guy, and maybe some of you women can identify with this, but I love this idea of conquering, you know, of, of uh, defeating something, of, of taking care of somebody bigger than yourself. I, I think that's what's intriguing about the story of David and Goliath. And uh, careful for the word story, don't let it become something that didn't happen, because we do actually believe that this happened. Uh, as theologians will tell you, people will tell you that this story of David and Goliath, there really was a guy named David who is in Jesus' lineage, and there really was a guy named Goliath who actually had other brothers as well who were uh, gigantic. But we'll talk about that some other day. 1 Samuel chapter 17 is going to be our scripture today, and it's, that is this story. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Uh, very tall, nearly, nearly 10 feet tall, so he's a big guy. All right, Um, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Just know it's heavy. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. 
His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, like a shot put almost weight. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, he will become your, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Man, does that paint this bleak picture or what? Like it's this giant and he comes down and everybody's scared of him and, and they're listening to him talking. They're like, well, who can beat the giant? I don't know. I can't beat him. Can you? No, nobody can beat him. So I want to talk just a little bit about giants. And, and what are some facts about giants? The first is this, that giants reveal our character. Giants are going to reveal our character. Have you ever heard the phrase, <laughs> we're all like a Twinkie. When we get squeezed, what's in the middle comes out. Anybody heard that? No? Did I just make that up? Or uh, another one I've heard is we're all like a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> when, we, when we get squeezed, what's on the inside comes out. Giants reveal our true character. And that's the problem with giants. When we have giants in our lives, they, they reveal who's on the inside. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons with our kids, we have uh, three kids 13, 11, make sure I get them right, and 9, right? 9, 11, 13. Get them all right. I don't do that very often anymore. But uh, with our children, I want to teach them that when they get into a tense situation, when they get into a, 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 a period of chaos, or when they have giants come into their lives to stay calm, to approach it, uh, the situation or the circumstance or the drama or the whatever with uh, some calmness. Ask the Holy Spirit to uh, come with you and to keep you in a calm place because when we get in that place and the giants are around us and we begin to get squeezed and things are starting to get tough, what's on the inside? It's what's going to come out. So we can tell people all day long, oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Oh, he's my rock. And then adversity comes. You lose your job. Your best friend gets mad at you. Your boss has an issue with you. Your waiter <laughs> spits in your food or something. Like, <laughs> we have this adversity that comes, comes alongside us. And, and what happens is we begin to, uh, whatever's on the inside is what's going to come out. And this is why we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you please Fill my heart with you. Holy Spirit, will you uh, please um, make what's, what's in you, like we pray this, what's up there in heaven, let that come down here. So Holy Spirit, please fill me so that when adversity comes, that's what's coming out. The second thing is that giants can overwhelm us. Giants can overwhelm us. You know, Goliath had overwhelmed the entire Israelite army for a long time. It's really interesting, right, that this one giant could overwhelm the entire army. Now, I wonder if it's because the Philistines thought 
that perhaps they could not defeat the Israelite army. So what they did was they got this big, lumbering, giant, scary guy and said, hey, you get your champion, we got our champion, and whoever wins, wins the battle. Because they knew that they would uh, be able to take that battle, or they thought they would. As he is described in our scripture today, he is tall, and he's strong, and he's mouthy, and, and he's intimidating. You have giants in your life like that? Like they just seem overwhelming? He was tenacious, like a, a problem that just never goes away. For 40 days, he came forward every morning and every evening for 40 days, and he never let up. I know some of you can identify with that. Just never let up. You know, here's the thing, and here's an issue that we struggle with. When we follow Jesus, adversity will still find us. David was following God. Like, David was, was the Lord's person. He was on the Lord's side. He was so thought of. I mean, you know the story of David. Like, he really established the, the kingdom of God to be, the, the Israelite kingdom, to be such a big and bold force at that time. But adversity still found him. You know, he didn't start the trouble. You ever say that to yourself? I didn't start this. Why is this coming after me? But he didn't hide from it either. He dealt with it. He faced it. He overcame it. So what can we learn from David about defeating the giants in our life? A couple of things. Um, David did not entertain Goliath. He, he didn't give in to him. You ever feel like something comes up in your life and you kind of entertain it for a while? David didn't do that. He didn't give in. He also didn't try to ignore them. <coughs> he faced it head on. He fought it. And I think in what, they, what we call the cancel culture today, so many people, you have a, a problem in your life, you have an issue, and you get canceled, or you cancel them. Like, well, I just won't talk to them anymore. You ever had that? Have you ever been canceled? Like, this is the worst. Somebody gets mad at you, and you, you're, you're like, try to call them. They don't answer you. Send them a text. They don't respond. Like, the only thing you can do is go to the house, but then you're kind of like a stalker. Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do here. I remember... As a, man, as a sixth grade kid, I remember this. I had a, 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 a girl who I, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and those little things. And mom and dad didn't really know because they didn't want me to have girlfriends. But this one girl that I was, didn't really, really like. And so I was going to break up with her. Break up, if that was a thing. Like, we were, how do you even go out? That's a whole other story. So I was going to break up with this girl. And uh, at the time, it was the right thing to do to do these things in person. And calling on the phone was like the coward's way out. I think those rules have changed <laughs> because um, I think if you do it on the phone, like that's the right thing to do. And if you send a text, that's the coward's way. Or even I know somebody who got broke up with because their 
their status, their profile was changed on Facebook, like from in a relationship to not in a relationship. What? Did we just break up? But I can remember, uh, I took the coward's way out, man. I called her on the phone. I was like, hey, we're, we don't want to go out with you anymore. Um, because, you know, we get these things in our life and we want to ignore it and we want it to go away. And, but that's not what David did. He saw the problem. And I love this about David. He saw the problem. He didn't back away. He didn't entertain it. He didn't. He took care of it. All right, so let's talk about giant slaying. The first, the first thing, if we're going to slay a giant in our life, you have to have proper training. Victories are not really won on the field. They're won in the training. They, they really are. They're won in the training. Um, I, I do, you can probably look at me and think, uh, there's no way this guy does CrossFit. I do. Um, at least once a month, you know, I get out there and I, no, but so, so one, one day, one of our workouts was uh, sprinting and I'm like, wait a minute, like we're supposed to sprint. Uh, I haven't sprinted and I can't tell you how long, but it's a sprint workout. And uh, like that ended up being no fun at all, by the way, uh, the sprinting, but I, I hadn't trained to sprint in such a long time that I didn't know my muscles could be that sore. You know, like we got through and I was like, oh man, I think I pulled something. And then the next day I was like, for sure I pulled, oh no, that's just sore. You know, you're feeling your legs. But if, if somebody said, um, let's have a race, I'd be like, I haven't been training at all. So you're gonna, you know, it doesn't matter what I haven't, have or haven't done. If I haven't been training, I'm going to lose. And, and that's the thing, like um, it's same thing with the Cowboys. I, I believe that they just aren't training right now. Like they're going to the game, hope they win, and oh, well, we'll try next week. It takes training. In Paul's words, 1 Corinthians 9, he says this, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that, I, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, he is doing what he needs to do in a spiritual sense to take care of himself spiritually to make sure that when the battle comes, he is ready. Jesus said some things only come about by much prayer and fasting. This is Paul's interpretation of what that means. Like, if you're going to enter into some spiritual warfare, don't do it if you're not practiced. If you're going to come into some kind of, uh, of hard time in your life, you better be practiced up. Or the giant is going to begin to squeeze you and everybody's going to see what you have on the inside. The final victory demands more than determination. It requires discipline. Uh, there was a Michigan State football player, I don't know if you guys remember him, named uh, Duffy Doherty. You guys remember him, Duffy Doherty? Maybe not. If you don't like sports, I'll tell you a story. It's a good one. Uh, it tells of a great uh, kicked field goal to win a game, right? And, and you hate to let it come down to the field goal kicker to win your game, but that's what happened here. All right, so um, the game was against... UCLA, 
And uh, the kicker's name was Dave Kaiser. So Michigan State is, fi- is playing UCLA. Dave Kaiser beat in the last moments of the game UCLA by a field goal. The, the final score was 17 to 14. Now, as Dave Kaiser kicked the field goal, everybody's, woo, you know, everybody's excited. He runs back to the bench, and the coach catches him and says, hey, Dave, man, great job. I'm so glad that you, this is me paraphrasing, right? <coughs> Thanks for winning the game for us. It's so awesome. You know, we love kickers, unless you missed, and we hate kickers. But we love, we love our kickers, and he did a great job. And he came back, he said, but uh, Dave, I noticed that after you kicked the ball, you didn't even look at the, at the field goal to make sure that it went through. You weren't looking at the post. It, you just kicked it and, and hoped that it went through. You looked at the uh, referee, the official, to see if he signaled it was fair or not. And he said, well, coach, to be honest, I, I forgot my contacts back at the uh, hotel. And when I kicked the ball, I couldn't see the goalposts. <laughs> And uh, so I had to watch the referee to make sure that the field goal was good. And at first, the coach was mad. He got mad at him. I can't believe you would do that. And why didn't you tell somebody we would have went back and we would have got your, uh, got your uh, contact so you could see? But after he thought about it for a while, he said, well, why shouldn't he be able to do it? Because that's what this guy does. He trains and he trains and he works and he works and he trains so that when the time comes, he knows exactly the distance. He knows where the field goal, the goal posts are on the field. And when he kicks the ball, it should go through. He shouldn't have to know exactly where, uh, he shouldn't have to be able to see the goal posts, excuse me, because he knows where they're at. He has practiced enough to know how far it is and how hard he needs to kick it and what kind of spin to put on it and where the, the wind is. And all of those things are things that, tick, that kickers take into account. So he kicked it because of a daily discipline of kicking the ball, and he won the game. I think for Christians, a lot of times we don't take those things into account. We're not doing our daily discipline. We're not taking care of what we need to every day. Think about David. He had no military career or experience. He was just a young man. He was just a, a, a guy who tended sheep, and, and really he spent a lot of time worshiping God. His training was very simply spending time with God, and God was fitting him for service, getting him ready every day. You never know what kind of emergency you can handle until you've spent some quality time with God. Ephesians chapter 6 makes it clear that before we go into battle, we're supposed to put on the armor, right? The armor of God. We don't want to wait until we've been mortally wounded to put the armor on. We don't want to wait until we're in the battle to think, oh man, I should have prepared for this thing. Get ready ahead of time. The Lord had been preparing David to win all along, had already been helping him because he had, he had fought against a lion and he had fought against a bear. And, and so while the big soldiers that were out there in the Israelites' army were trembling, were scared, David surprised them all by going out and saying, hey, how dare you curse God? You see, the frightened soldiers had trained for warfare, but they had not trained for handling something like Goliath. For that, you need God. And David had godly training. And, and I read somewhere in, 
Like we could do a whole series on David and Goliath. There's so many things there, but it's, it's like um, having a, a tank fight a missile or something. If you are looking at the uh, at battle or at warfare, the type of fighter that David was against Goliath, David should have beat him. Because Goliath was big and he was lumbering and he wasn't quick and he wasn't able to move around and, and he was uh, just this guy with this big heavy sword and this big heavy shield and, you know, just, he was just intimidating. But here comes David, who's like lightning and moving here and moving here and he has the, you know, and he, he's fighting from a distance and he has the stone and he slings it and he kills Goliath. God set David up for success, not failure. We need to learn to trust God. David's own brothers tried to stop him from going out. They tried to stop him. Even Saul, if you read the whole story, when Saul knew that David was going to go out, he tried to put his own armor on him. But the armor didn't help. It just got in the way. We can't rely on our equipment when we get into a battle. Paul says in Ephesians 6, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If someone does evil against you, don't retaliate. Don't return evil for evil. Love them. Do good to them. Overcome, the scripture tells us, to overcome evil with good. That's how the scripture says it. And I was, as I've been going through the, the um, crucifixion story, something I noticed as many times as I've read it, which the story is heartbreaking, obviously, but as Jesus is being crucified, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what to do. I mean, they don't know what they do. Father, forgive them because they just don't know what they're doing. Man, in the most severe, significant circumstance, he didn't get offended. He didn't get angry. He just said, they just don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Do we respond that way ourselves? The last thing is this. Do it now. Do it now. The longer you put it off, the harder it's going to be to slay a giant. If you just keep putting it off and you just keep waiting and you just keep putting it off. You know, there's temptation to run from the giants in our lives. There's temptation to to try to cancel them, to just avoid them, to ignore them, but we can't because they're just going to get bigger and they're just going to get more powerful and they're just going to eat at you country friend I had said, it's just going to get stuck in your crawl. (laughs) Whatever a crawl is, it's going to get stuck there. It's just going to bother you. So, So do it now. Take care of it. If you have a hard phone call to make, do it now. You have a Christian friend who's you feel like has been straying away, then talk to them now. Don't wait any longer. You have a friend that you want to talk to about Jesus, but you've been nervous to do that, do it now. Don't wait. I don't know if you've heard it said in another country saying, if you have to swallow a frog, don't stare at it too long. You ever heard that? (laughs) Just do it, man. Just do it. Something you don't want to do, you just have to do it. Am I the only one? (laughs) Nobody's ever heard that? 
The best time to deal with your giant is now, today. Look at verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped down from his lines and shouted his, his usual defiance, and David heard it. David didn't say, okay, guys, let's go back and let's regroup and let's, hey, will you, he said, hey, what's going on? This, this giant is defying my God? No, this can't stand. Maybe in your life, Goliath or whatever giant has crossed the ravine. He's standing on your side and he's tormenting you. Don't let it stay there. You can defeat the giant. Don't wait for it. Don't wait. You know, we all have things that we perceive as giants when we let go of those things, when we quit holding on to them, then we defeat the giant. I love this story of David because it's such a conquering story. Will you allow God to help you conquer the giant in your life? Like I said, this morning, as I was going through this, I was like, God, I don't know what we're doing today. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. And he said, somebody today still needs their giant slayed. So I don't know who that is this morning, but I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing a song. And um, we haven't done this in a long time because uh, of COVID. And I, I do want to encourage you if, you, if you come to the altar to... You know, try to stay away from people. Maybe wear your mask up at the altar. But if you want to come this morning and you're saying, God, if you're in person, and if you're at home, maybe kneel at your chair or your couch or wherever you're at and just say, God, I need your help to defeat the giant in my life. I don't know what it is, and I don't know who here needs to defeat their giant, but by the help of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, you can. And isn't that awesome? You don't have to live with that giant. It can be done. So this morning, I'm going to encourage you. Let's pray about that. You can even kneel where you're at if you want. Assume a posture of prayer and say, God, this morning I want to conquer that giant in my life. I want to, I want to slay that giant. I don't want it anymore. I want you to get rid of that. I, I can't let it stay there. Take care of it now. Leave it on the altar. Leave it with God. Holy Spirit, my prayer this morning for all of us here is that you would, and not just those here, but those that are watching, Holy Spirit, begin to speak to all of us. Mingle like we've asked before. Mingle with our soul. I love that. And help us to defeat and destroy those giants. In Jesus' name.